Welcome back for another week's episode of the Scriptures Revealed podcast, and we are going to jump right into our next two revelations of the God-man himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we discussed him as creator and light of the world, and I got amazing feedback from you guys who really enjoyed the episode and really had an amazing uh, eye-opening insight and revelation about Jesus and you've fallen in love with him even more and that is my prayer my hope and my aim throughout the remainder of this year is that we will continue to fall more and more in love with Jesus so let's go ahead and jump into the next two revelations the next revelation we find or we discover of Jesus uh, is still located in the book of Genesis in the same chapter. Uh, actually, at the beginning of it is in chapter one, but it concludes in chapter 13. And so let's begin to set the backdrop for this story. Here we have God creating the universe, uh, Jesus himself uh, as the word of God working with God. We later find out in the book of Proverbs, he's working with even the wisdom of God to create the the universe and to create everything. And so everything has been placed into divine arrangement and order. And then God comes to the place of realizing that every creation needs a manager. Every creation needs an overseer. Every creation needs an authority. Wherever you see creation, you've got to know that there is someone that is reigning and ruling as the authority over that thing. And so once God set order, he knew in order to maintain order, I need an authority figure. And so we see insight here into the beginnings of why God is so adamant and a, and a stickler for authority is because in order to maintain order, you need authority. You can create order. Order can happen by way and form of creation, but in order to maintain the order, it's going to come by way of authority. And so we see uh, this authority issue coming to the forefront for God in the book of Genesis is that he creates a thing. He establishes a thing, but then in order to maintain it, he says, I've got to establish an authority figure. And in all, the only way for me to establish the proper, the, the adequate, the, the most efficient type of authority figure over uh, my created order is the authority figure has to look like me. He has to sound like me. He has to be in my image, in my likeness. And so then we embark upon the creation of mankind. And that is important to remember in the book of uh, Genesis chapter 1, we are looking at the creation, the spiritual creation of mankind. We're not looking at the the physical creation of a male. We're looking at the spiritual creation of humanity. Because the mankind, humanity is created in chapter 1, but we find out that humanity gets a body in chapter 2. So the first uh, release and dispensation of authority and instructions and insight and assignment and purpose comes to the spirit of a man. Which is why we find out when we get over in the New Testament, why God says there is no Jew or or Greek. There is no male or female. There is no circumcised or uncircumcised. We're all the same in Christ Jesus. Why? Because God has always been first the father of spirits. So God is creating the mankind. God is creating the mankind in Genesis 1. And he is step. So watch this. If God is creating the mankind and he says, I've got to create the mankind in my image. If we travel over to the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter one, we later find out that Jesus is the image of God. We later found out in the book of Colossians 
that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So if Jesus is the image and Genesis 1 tells us that mankind was created in the image, then we know that the template for the Adam was the Christ. <laughs> oh, that blessed you. So the template for how God created Adam was the Lord Jesus Christ because Jesus is the image of God. So if mankind is created in the image of God, then mankind was created using the template of Christ. That's going to be important for where we're headed. So God creates humanity to resemble, to showcase, to be a reflector of Jesus. And then he places all of that authority uh, because the authority came with the assignment. The authority came with the instructions is that humanity's authority does not go beyond the boundaries of instructions that God has given them. So God gives the instructions with the instructions comes the authority and then they begin to rule and reign. Then we go over to chapter two and the mankind, the humanity is put inside of a body. This body does not look like the body we have today because at this point, God has not pulled the female side out of this human body. Because later we found out that Adam, which is a name for the mankind, so that humanity then is exercising authority, fulfilling his instructions, and, and ruling and reigning and tending and keeping and guarding the garden. And then Adam realizes that I don't have an external helpmate, that the help I have is inward. Adam said the help I have is inward, but when I look outward, everybody also has external help. And so what I've got to do, what I want, God, from you is I don't want just internal help. I want external assistance. And so what God does is he puts the mankind to sleep and he pulls out of the mankind. Your English Bible says he took a rib, but in the actual Hebrew, it says that he took a side. So he takes the aside out of humanity, which is and he creates Eve, the woman, the female. So he takes out of humanity the female side. So we have now the male and the female uh, operating uh, externally now. And so now Eve is, is Adam's helpmate. And that's a whole different teaching, whole different uh, revelation there. But I'm going to keep journeying here to give you this revelation of Jesus. Uh, so uh, he extracts the female side from humanity. Adam wakes up and he sees her. He calls her uh, a flesh of his flesh, bone of his bones, and he cleaves. Now, God gave them instructions in order to protect the execution of their authority. God said, the moment you no longer follow my instructions, you're going to die. Now, that word die does not mean cease to exist. That's why when we find Adam and Eve disobeying the instructions of God, they do not physically die. As a matter of fact, they live hundreds of years after that. So that the definition of, of death is not cease to exist. It doesn't even mean that in today's terminology. When people die, it does not mean that they cease to exist. It means that they are separated. They are separated. When you see the word death, you need to think in terms of separation. So when we're talking about when God said, Adam, if you disobey me or he gives instructions to humanity, if you disobey me, you're going to die. What he's saying is you're going to be separated. And so you're going to be separated from your assignment. You're going to be separated from your authority. You're going to be separated from your place. You're going to be separated from your purpose. And you're going to experience some form of separation from me. And so that is what God is saying because that is what sin does. That is what disobedience does. It separates you from your assignment. 
It separates you from your authority. It separates you from your purpose. And obedience keeps you in compliance, keeps you in harmony with the plans, purposes, and the pursuits of God concerning your life. So they disobey. And so there is a death that takes place. There is a separation that happens. God walks on the scene. And the Bible says that it is the voice of the Lord that walks in the garden. Now, this is not uh, a revelation I, I pre-researched and studied out, but but I'm, I'll give it to you for free. This does not count as one of the revelations of Jesus, but this is a revelation of Jesus in the Old Testament, is that the Bible says that the voice of God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. Later, we find out again from the book of John and the book of Hebrews and the book of Revelation that Jesus is the word of God. He is the word of God. He is the vocal expression of God. So if the voice of God is what they heard walking in the garden, then what they heard was Jesus walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The voice that walked was the word of God himself. So they heard the word walking in the garden. So Jesus comes on the scene in the garden. And he's looking for his fellowship, his connection, because remember, prior to death, there was no separation. So Jesus comes on the scene and, and to engage in their fellowship, in their communion. And what has happened, death has taken place. There's been a separation. So now humanity is hiding from God because there's been a death. And so they are hiding. They're trying to cover. They're trying to conceal. And Jesus confronts them. The voice confronts them. The word confronts them and has this conversation. And we know how that story goes. Uh, he addresses uh, Adam. He addresses Eve. He addresses the serpent. But what he says, the word gives a prophecy in Genesis chapter 3. And the word says this. The word says that I am going to put enmity between you. He's talking to the serpent. I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman. What is that going to look like? It's going to look like a, a hatred between the offspring of Satan and the offspring or the seed of the woman. So we got the seed of Satan and the seed of the woman. Often what is overlooked in this uh, story, in this prophecy, is that we look at the seed of the woman because that is the Jesus that is going to come. That is the manifestation, the incarnation we experience in the New Testament is the seed of the woman. But we not only have the seed of the woman is that God acknowledges that there is going to be a seed of Satan in the planet. That what disobedience did was that it gave birth to a seed in the earth. Disobedience caused a birth to happen in the earth realm in that moment. Later, we found out over in the book of 1 John, you can take the time to research this and look into this yourself. In 1 John, we find out that Cain was of the seed of Satan. So that spiritual seed that happened it gave birth and it produced a son called Cain. We later find out in, in the Gospels, Jesus addresses them, uh, the Pharisees and some of the Sadducees as being of their father, the devil. So the, the enemy, the devil has been fathering seeds since Genesis, but God has also been fathering seeds since Genesis. And, 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 and again, uh, we have to look at the genealogies. We have to look at the nations. We have to look at the generations and realize that in every generation that what has been happening is that the enemy has been propagating and producing his seed and God has been securing and protecting his seed. And so there's been a hatred uh, for the woman's seed. Now, we later find out in the book of Revelation who the, the seed of the woman is, is not the seed of Eve. 
because Eve dies before Jesus arrives to the planet. The Bible gives us insight into who this woman is in the book of Revelation, and we couple it with the book of Galatians. And in the book of Galatians, we find out that Jesus was born of a woman. What is this woman? He was born under the law. So watch this. The woman that God used to produce the seed that would save the world is the woman called Israel. Israel is Israel. God handpicks out. He singles out. He calls Abraham. He, he gives him a prophecy about his generation, about his lineage. And so he gives birth to a nation from the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel gives birth to the seed of God. <laughs> and we call his name Jesus. Jesus is the one who is going to crush the head of the serpent. But the Bible says in this prophecy that, that Satan is also going to strike his heel. We later find out in the book of Isaiah, in the prophecies of Isaiah, that Christ was bruised for our transgressions. He was wounded for our afflictions. What is this wounding and this bruising happening? It is what the enemy did in order to take out the seed of God. But he was bruised for our transgressions. The last say-so was not on the bruise. The last say-so was not on the strike. It was on the fact that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. The revelation of Jesus Christ as the seed of the woman is that Jesus incarnated himself. God incarnated himself in a human body so that he could crush the head of the serpent in our lives. The enemy does not get the last say so. He does not get to uh, separate us from purpose. He does not get to separate us from our assignment. He no longer gets to separate us from our authority because God has come through the seed of a woman, through the seed of the nation of Israel to restore purpose, to restore our assignment and to restore our authority through the seed of the woman. My friend, that is a revelation. It, that is that is embedded in the book of Genesis about the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophecy in Genesis 3.15 was not about Abel. It was not about Abraham. It was about the Lord Jesus Christ. God said, I'm coming to the planet and I'm going to become uh, enwrapped and enveloped in human flesh so that I can restore what the enemy tried to separate. I'll be right back with you to talk about Revelation number two. Alrighty, we are back. Now, we just talked about the revelation of the seed of the woman, but in the same vein, we're going to embark on and kind of open up this second revelation here. Now, we have this prophecy being given about the seed of the woman and, and the, the prophecy God has given that, that the nation, there's going to be a nation, there's going to be a nation that's going to produce a seed that is going to give us the one to crush the head of, uh, of Satan. Now, that thing has always interested me and has really interested a lot of theologians because the question has always been, we know that women don't carry seed. We know that, uh, that the seed is in the man. But the interesting thing about that is that we got hung up on the woman thing and not realize that all prophecy sometimes, or not all, but rather there's a lot of prophecy is encoded with symbols and, and, and types and shadows. And so God wasn't talking about the seed of a literal woman. He was talking about the seed of a nation, is that a nation was going to produce for him 
the seed and the nation was Israel. Uh, so, so even the, the, the women and, 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 and being attacked in scriptures is because even the enemy got it wrong. He was attacking the women when he, when the real issue was the nation of Israel would produce it. Uh, so we got this production, this seed brought forth. But the next revelation we see, uh, of Jesus again is in Genesis is we found out that when God said, I'm going to create man in my likeness and in my image, what he said was, I'm going to create humanity to look like Christ. We later, we understand that better now in the New Testament and in the New Covenant, because over in the book of Romans, God, Paul, the apostle Paul says that we've been called to be conformed to the image of Christ. What, what is Paul saying is, hey, we're going back to God's original intention for the mankind is that God's original intention for the mankind was to be created in the image of Christ because Christ is the image of God. And so what we have here is that Christ not only is the seed of the woman, but Christ is our last Adam. He is the second Adam, the last Adam. He is the template for Adam. That is what we see. It is why we see Jesus coming on the scene in the Gospels. And what, what do the, the, the onlookers and the spectators and the Pharisees begin to say? They say, who is this man that is teaching with such authority? Uh-oh, we got authority here. Who is this man that has authority to cast out devils? What is going on here is that Jesus is showcasing what humanity was supposed to look like. Humanity was supposed to look like an authority figure in the earth. No, when it, Humanity looks like Christ. We uh, we don't allow intruders to come and pervert the plans and the purposes and the assignments of God. And so Jesus cast out devils uh, to get people free, but also to showcase the fact that this is my garden. This is what I've been assigned to keep and guard and protect. I am the second Adam. I am the last Adam. I am the template. And so everything that we see about Adam and what Adam was supposed to be and what Adam was supposed to reveal, we see fully manifested in Christ because Adam was just made. He was made in an image. He was a replica of Jesus Christ, which is why the highest calling. Paul said, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. What is that prize? To know him and to be in fellowship with his sufferings. In other words, my highest calling is to look like Christ. That is my highest calling, to reflect him, to mirror him, him, to image him, uh, to, to reflect him, uh, because Jesus is the template for Adam. That is a marvelous revelation, and, and for you to begin to wrap your mind around and begin to meditate on it even. Just think about even in the uh, epistle of 1 John, the apostle uh, John says, as he is, so are we in this world. It's again alluding to the fact that Jesus is our template. Christ is our template. Are we supposed to be God? No, we're supposed to reflect him. Are we supposed to be the almighty? No, but we are to mirror him that when people look at us, they should see a reflection of the Godhead because as he is, so are we in this world. The beauty of the Adam story is that it does not end in Genesis. It culminates in, on the cross, oh, in the resurrection, in the book of Revelation. That is our aim. I want to look like him. I want to sound like him. And the and how do I know that's possible? It's because humankind, humanity, 
our very uh, design and, and the very original intent is that we were created to reflect him. We were created. God created us to look like the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why he could come as the last Adam, because he was really the template for the first one. I mean, that is a beautiful revelation for you to meditate on, for you to allow that to sink in and allow that to free you. That is the hope you have. That is the freedom you have. That is the possibility God has for you, for you to come up higher, come up higher, grow, mature, let your roots go down deep and let you begin to bear much fruit because your fruit is going to look like the character of Christ. Your language should look like the word of Christ. Your thoughts should look like the mind of Christ. I'm telling you, Christ is our hope of glory. That's why Paul says Christ in you, the hope of glory. How are we going to get this glory? How are we going to walk in it? How are we going to develop ourselves in it? How are we going to move into greater dimensions of glory? Is that we've got to become resolved that Christ is in me as a template, as a mirror, as what I am to be aiming for. I am created in the image of God. Therefore, I am created in the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that he is the last Adam because it means it is my ultimate potential. Thank you guys for joining me this week for another episode of the Scriptures Revealed podcast. I am excited every week to join you guys, to talk with you about these revelations, to share them with you. And I hope you're getting in the scriptures and studying on your own, searching them out on your own and falling in love with Jesus. The word of God can really change you by leading you to the author. Uh, don't forget to share this episode and invite people to follow along on this journey with us as we continue our journey through the Old Testament and unveiling the revelation of Jesus Christ. I love you guys, and I'll see you same place, same time next week. God bless.